This is episode number 142 with Mark Goodman. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome everyone to the School of Greatness podcast. My name is Lewis Howes. I'm your host. And we've got a special guest on today. His name is Mark Goodman. And he's got a book that just came out called Future Crimes. Everything is connected. Everyone is vulnerable and what we can do about it. And there are a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to this show, a lot of people who use their smartphones, who are using computers, and who are using electronics in general, smart TVs, all these things. And I have a, a very fascinating conversation with Mark here in my Los Angeles studio where he really enlightened me on what technology is capable of happening. And I was just, actually, my email was like hacked a couple weeks ago for the first time ever. You know, you get those annoying like emails from your friends of these like phishing click, click here emails and you never click on them because you know it's like they got hacked. That happened to me and I never thought that would actually happen to me. So it was perfect timing for Mark to come on. And Mark is one of the world's leading authorities on global security. And in the book, he takes readers deep into the digital underground to expose the alarming ways criminals, corporations, and even countries are using new and emerging technologies against you and how this makes everyone more vulnerable than ever imagined. We cover everything from uh, how to protect your, your, your online information to your business information to making sure people don't get your access to your passwords uh, and all the other things that have been happening in the news lately with the digital crimes. And we also talk about what is going to happen in the future, what hackers are doing, and how to protect yourself for future crimes. And again, Mark Goodman has spent a career in law enforcement, including work as a futurist with the FBI, senior advisor to Interpol and street police officer. So he's got a lot of experience here. And I think you're going to love all the things that he has to say. He also is going to give us some tips to protecting yourself with your computer and everything else you've got going on in the digital world. So without further ado, let's bring on the one and only Mr. Mark Goodman. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got Mark Goodman on. How's it going, Mark? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm back in New York, uh, New York, LA. I was in New York for a month. It's good to be back. It's so sunny out today. Big difference from New York City. It's incredible. And uh, we live like half a mile away from each other. So I'm glad you're able to come into the studio. Thank very, you so very much. excited. And I'm excited to dive into your book and everything that you know. It's called Future Crimes. Everything is connected. Everyone is vulnerable and what you can do about it. That's it. Powerful that's, stuff. That's the book. So here's a story. Last week, I get an email from someone or a message on Facebook that says, uh, I got a weird email from you. I think you're hacked. And I go, what? And then I got about 50 emails from people saying, what is this? What happened? Is this you? Should I click on this? It's right. like fishing thing or whatever. And I was like, it was the first time it's ever happened to me. And I always get annoyed when I get those from other people. And I'm like, you know, have your stuff together. Come on. 
And then it happened to me. So, and I finally figured out like what it was and I had to like, what was someone, it? someone was logged into my account from like another location. And so someone said, go down on the bottom of your screen and look to see like whatever it was. I had to click on something at the bottom right hand corner of Gmail Okay. to like turn off the other location or something, right? Or log them out. Right. And I was like, how did they get this in the first place? Yeah. It was scary. It's actually perfect timing that you're here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> so can you tell <laughs> you, me? You called. Uh, here I am. Happy to help. <laughs> so wh how did this happen? First off, uh, sure. what are the possibilities? Right. And so, what could I do to protect myself with that specific thing in the future? Well, the first trick is never use the internet. It's very dangerous. Stay <laughs> offline. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but if you want to live in the modern world right. <laughs> and not be part of the uh, new techno Amish, right? Uh -huh. the, the trick is how do you do all this safely? Yeah. Um, to the to the point of Facebook being hacked, here's the statistics that most people don't realize. There are 600,000 Facebook accounts that are hacked daily. Not every month, not every year, but wow. every single day. And those statistics come directly from the chief security officer of Facebook, right? So if you're sharing anything online, it's just a matter of time before, you know, it's your turn. How do people, bucket. I mean, how do they find, how do they figure it out? Are they, are they using uh, systems or software? Or are they actually yeah. finding your passwords that you're putting out online somewhere? Right. It's a combination of both, actually. So the old methodology for the hackers were, you know, you think of sort of the super hacker, evil villain in the movies, uh -huh. or that really smart 17-year-old kid living in his mom's <laughs> basement. What has happened is those guys have taken all of their knowledge and turned it into software. So there's actually software that goes out and hacks people. It's called crimeware. And the same way, you know, you there's software as a service where you can go online yeah. and get, you know, people soft or Salesforce. There's actually crime that you can subscribe to. So if you're a low level thug without technical skills, you can pay a monthly fee or buy a piece of software that will go out there and commit identity theft, no way. denial of service, all that type of stuff. And what they're doing is they're constantly spamming, whether it be your Gmail account or your Facebook account, trying different passwords and try to until get it, it works. until it works. So right now there's potentially hundreds, if not more people trying to hack into my accounts somewhere in your accounts or other people's accounts because they're just throwing software and scripts at it right now. Exactly right. Wow. And, and the, sooner or later, it's about to be cracked. Exactly. And that's why if you look at what's gone in the news recently, whether it be the Sony hack, the Target hack, yeah. the Anthem Blue Cross hack, uh -huh. all of these things of recent days, the reason why they're able to scale is because you don't need human beings anymore. If a single person, you know, was a bad guy and wants to hang out on the street and rob you, he could hide in a dark alley with a gun and maybe he could rob five or six people a day. It's a great business model, but you're a businessman. What's the yeah. problem with it? Can't scale. Doesn't scale. Exactly <laughs> right. So you're thinking like a good criminal businessman. Sure. I appreciate that. Um, so they couldn't scale. So they solved that problem through technology. If you think back 100 years ago, how did they solve it? Trains. That was the locomotives was mm. the technology of the day. Bad guys figured out that they could jump on a train and rob 200 people at a time. Wow. Now with exponential technologies, one single individual can rob 100 million people. And that's what happened with the Target hack, for example, one 17-year-old kid in Moscow using software, not that he invented, but that he bought, Shut up. was able to go ahead and create that hack in which one third of America was victimized. So one person can rob 100 million people. That's never been possible before in the history of humanity. Now, what exactly happened during that case? Because I remember hearing about it, and I think some of my friends hadn't been affected, but I actually didn't follow it that much. I just remember people saying about Target and... They got hacked. Yeah, Target got hacked. This was right before Christmas, I think, of uh -huh. 2014 uh, was when it went down. And a bunch of people had their accounts compromised. So uh, Target- their, their credit cards. Their credit cards. Through this right. one kid. Right. 
Exactly. He got their money or he got their credit card information? He got their credit card information and he got their account information. Wow. And so, so we could start billing. Exactly. With- so the whole idea was for him to do both identity theft and to charge other people's credit cards. But what was fascinating about that is how he got in. And that's kind of the world that we live in today, the huh. world that's changing. He did not hack the cash registers or the point of sale terminal initially. Guess how he got into the target network? hacking facebook or something close but not really (laughs) he hacked the air conditioning no way yeah this is the thing that people don't understand you've probably heard of the internet of things Uh so everybody talks about this idea of like we're connecting more and more things to the internet so it started with our computers then it's phones then it's xboxes and cars pacemakers cameras televisions garages smart homes smart cities all of that exactly so what this kid did was he went ahead and found out that target used an outside contractor to manage their air conditioning systems across all of their Target stores in America. He sent a phishing email to a particular guy at that company. He clicked on the link and infected his computer at the air conditioning company. From the air conditioning company, they were able, this one kid, 17 years old, was able to hack into the main network of Target, then into their financial networks, then into their purchase network and then down to the very point of sale terminals at hundreds of target stores across the country. Oh my goodness. So the challenge with this is, you know, people talk about the internet of things and it sounds great and we're going to have all this cool stuff. You know, you can open up your garage door with your iPhone, turn off the lights in your house, get a nest to control your temperature when you're out of the house. But the flip side of that is the more things we connect to the internet, the more things there are to hack. The easier it is to hack too, probably, Exactly, right? exactly. My joke about this is the internet of things is just the internet of things to be hacked, right? Wow. We can't even protect the stuff that we have today, let alone the billions of devices we're going to be connecting in the future. So if a big company like Target uh, or Anthem Blue Cross or any of these other big companies are getting hacked left and right, would you th- when you think that they would have so much security or steps to get through to get hacked... It lets you know that way it's even easier for any one individual to get hacked. It's probably a thousand times easier for me and you to get hacked. Maybe not you, but me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to protect you. There you go. Exactly. (laughs) It'll be fine. No, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that in many of these cases, there's an error, right? So as much as companies want to focus on information security, they're spending a lot of money. The question is, are they spending it wisely? And it's really hard to protect everything because it's what they call an asymmetric threat. The good guys have to lock every door, every window, every way to get into the house and the bad guys only need to find one way to get oh, in. Man. So ex- think about it. If you're a company like General Electric with you know 100,000 employees and 200 companies with thousands of servers and laptops and you know iPhones and so Android devices, in. and all the bad guys need is just one of them. They just need one employee in Kazakhstan or Seattle to click on the wrong thing. Or to they, give it to them the information. Exactly. Just to get infiltrated and become friends with them and say, hey, can you give me this information? 100%. And there have been lots of examples of just that too. Give where, me some money or I'll give you a cut or something, right? Yeah. There's a great example of that. There was a company in America called AMSC, which sold wind turbines. And they were, this is something for your entrepreneurs out there listening to. So they sold wind turbines. They were doing a huge multi-billion dollar deal in China. And they were having problems negotiating with the Chinese. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Chinese got access to their source code Mm. for their wind turbines, the special software that ran the turbines, which was worth billions of dollars in intellectual property. How did they do it? Turns out they found a guy on Facebook, 
who was who they identified as an engineer. So on uh, LinkedIn, he said that he was an engineer. He worked at AMSC, wow. and you know he the Chinese were able to figure out okay, this guy's got access oh to the software goodness. they want. But then he wrote on Facebook and LinkedIn. My bosses are a bunch of idiots. I can't believe that I'm working for such dummies. Oh, my goodness. Okay, now what do we know? This guy is disgruntled. All right, that's a good step. Then he posted on Facebook an update that said, To all my friends, I'm really sorry, but my wife and I are getting a divorce. It's been a long time coming. Life sucks, etc., etc." And so now the Chinese knew that he hated his job. He was losing his wife. And then he started talking about how he needed money. So they had some uh, uh, people approach him through Facebook, reached out to him tried to hire him as a consultant, brought him into China, gave him all the prostitutes that he wanted, and paid him $1.7 million. With that $1.7 million investment, they got a multi-billion dollar piece of software. Oh my goodness. So all that stuff that you're posting out there and you think is going into nowhere, people are paying attention. It's not just in the ether. There are people that are watching what you're doing online. Wow, that's insane. Now, how did you get into all this? I heard it was from a spell check mistake originally early on is that right yeah sort of uh so my background's in law enforcement i started as a street cop and then i worked as an investigator exactly and then uh worked as an investigator and all that in the mid to late 1990s i was working as a regular investigator and all of a sudden i was in the detective squad room and my lieutenant screamed my name good men get your ass over here Uh and i'm like okay i'm in trouble (laughs) and my lieutenant asked me a question he said hey uh, got a question for you. Do you know how to spell check in word perfect? And I said, yeah, it's a shift F2. And my Lieutenant got this big smile on his face. He's like, I knew you were a technique. <laughs> I got a case for you. Wow. So the fact that I could spell check back in 1995 in wow. the police department made me like the technical genius yeah, yeah. of the police department the squad. as part yeah. of the geek squad. Cause I, I knew spell check, right. very advanced technique. And then that just led to my first case and another case. Yeah. And from there, I went to go work with Interpol and the United Nations all mm-hmm. over the world, kind of on all these cybercrime issues. That's cool. Um, did you really, did you want to do this early on? Was this like, I want to be, I wanted to be a cop when I was a kid. So like a lot of kids, you know, an investigator. Yeah. Right. That'd be fun. I actually, I want to be a street cop, which really? is exactly what I wanted to do. I grew up in New York. I watched all the New York city police officers, uh-huh. you know, it's and there was a lot of crime at the time when I was growing up. Sure. And it seemed like, okay, I want to make a difference in my community. And there was such tremendous levels of crime. Like that's how you can make a difference for yeah. the later generation. You know, it was the nine 11 was kind of their, call to action but for my generation just you know 10 15 years earlier it was the rampant levels of crime in the city so if you wanted to help people help your community becoming a cop was a great way right. to do that right and when did you move out to la uh i came out here it would have been in the around 1990 1990 so, yeah originally from new york but then came out to california okay. And did you have a love for technologies and computers growing up and robots or? No, not at all. There was none of that. So that was the point I wanted to make, you know, why become a cop? A lot of, you know, young boys, if if you're a boy, you want to be a football player, you want to be an astronaut, a firefighter, a policeman. And most people, you know, grow out of that and become hedge fund managers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nobody (laughs) as a kid wants to be a hedge fund manager. They want to do the fun jobs. And I was lucky that I got to do one of my dream jobs. That's cool. So in the book, do you open up about confidential things 
that you're not allowed to talk about or do you? <laughs> so, I love the way you phrase that question. So do you reveal classified information in violation of yeah, federal law? Exactly. No. Okay, <laughs> Let me good. be very, very clear about that. Uh, all of this information is unclassified. It's uh, not commonly available. A lot of it comes from the digital underground, the hacker underworld, yeah. but none of this is classified. But what I do share are things that I'm allowed to talk about. And there's a database that I had of several thousand sort of crazy cybercrime hacking incidents uh -huh. uh, that I was able to talk about. And I bring those stories into the book. And that's kind of one of the key things I tried to do is there have been quite a few books on cyber evil written. I tried to make yeah. this fun and interesting. So yeah. as I was mentioning to you earlier, you know, I'm quoting everybody from Homer Simpson. We're talking about Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, and, you know, Voltaire uh -huh. and Vladimir Putin. So it's kind of all over the map. That's cool. I like that. And did you see Black Hat? Uh, I haven't yet. No, it's on my to-do. I saw it. My girlfriend actually fell asleep in the middle of it, but I, I liked it. It was just kind of long. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's funny because they did a similar hack where they hack like a, what was it, like a uh, a water turbine or something. Yes. And they hacked into that and they right. would blow it up and then that's what caused like the hacking or something. Right. Um, that's interesting that it actually pretty much happened in real life. Yeah. I guess the big thing, you know, people focus on their mobile phones and they focus on the laptops, but if you take it up to the 35,000 foot level yeah. for a second, our entire society is built on computers, right? If you it's think true. about it, today's automobiles, it's not like, you know, the Model Ts that were mechanical devices or even a 65 Chevy. These are all computers. A car today has got on average 250 microchips in it. Wow. It controls everything from the windshield wipers to the airbags to the brakes. The locks and everything, yeah. Everything, the radio, and they're all hackable. Like literally from across the country, the right person could go ahead and hack your brakes. So when you're driving no on the highway really? at 60 miles an hour, yeah, they can get in there. Shut and that's up. been demonstrated before. So uh, these cars are becoming hackable. So cars today are computers that we ride in, right? Elevators are boxes that are computers that we ride in. And planes are nothing more than computers that we fly in. Shut up. And if you look at the converse, right? If you think about all those wearables, you know, Fitbits, things like that, those are computers that we wear. And pacemakers, diabetic pumps, those are computers we're putting inside of ourselves. Mm. So man and machine are melding together as one. And all of these critical infrastructures, or can be hacked. So I like to say there's never been built a computer system that couldn't be hacked. And that has real wow. implications for the world that we're building for the following reason. Our financial systems, our electrical grids, bridges, tunnels, air traffic control, can ATM, all be hacked, right? All entirely hackable. And so I guess that's probably one of the big points I bring out in Future Crimes, the book, is the fact that we're rushing, you know, can I say balls to the wall? Yeah. Full speed ahead, I'll yeah, say. Yeah, We're yeah. running full speed ahead to turn everything into computer. And there's tremendous like upsides of all Value. this. I want to be really, yeah. really clear. I'm totally pro-technology. I work up in Silicon Valley. I teach at Singularity University. Yeah. I am a techno-utopian. Uh, so I'm not saying we shouldn't adopt this technology. Technology will bring literally billions of people out of poverty. It will mm -hmm. feed people, educate give us clean people. water, educate a you know a, a Maasai warrior on the plains of the Serengeti with a smartphone can now take classes at MIT for free. So Amazing. there's tremendous upside to the tech. All I'm saying is, stand by. Let's take a second. Let's take <laughs> let's take a breath and think about does my pacemaker really need to be online? Right. Right. Think about that type of stuff. 
One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really wanna say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too. in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So would you say in general that society is pretty clueless or naive to what's actually happening? I think the news which <laughs> suggests that they are, right? I mean, I think most people, it kind of comes down to two things. Most people don't realize all the things around them that are computers, whether it be their watches, mm. their microwaves, their refrigerators. Here's a great example that just broke a few days ago with Samsung televisions. Samsung uh, in the UK has this new television where you can talk. So rather than talk to it, I saw so this, rather yeah. than clicking on your remote control, you can say play, on, off, pause, you know, channel 27, whatever. But they're using the conversations for third parties exactly right right that's exactly right so what they're doing is they're taking those conversations sending them out to third parties to do the voice recognition and then they're translating it but the bigger problem is uh that voice recognition is always on so samsung's huge mistake was uh, they put out a bulletin to their customers that said note please be careful about what you say in front of your television because we're always listening so imagine you and your wife or girlfriend or boyfriend are sitting in the bedroom right? Just talking about whatever you're talking about. Your television is listening to all of that and pumping it through Samsung's computers for voice recognition. Why would you buy those computers? Those those um, convenience, TVs. right? <laughs> convenience, what people will do for convenience. You know, uh, there was a time when you actually had to get off your ass 
and change the channel manually. <laughs> right. And then we came up with I remember with that time. Clickers. I was very young. Exactly. <laughs> then we came up with clickers. And apparently that's too hard to push right. a button. You could get way too much exercise by accident that way. So now we allow you to talk to your wow. television. So that's crazy. For is that legal? Well, it's a really good question. Uh, what is very different is if you bought a television in 1980, it did not come with terms of agreement or terms of service. When you buy that Samsung TV and set you're it up, something. you're clicking on something that says, I hereby grant, you know, Samsung the my right. Life. Exactly. To go ahead and record me in the bedroom. And oh my gosh. for businesses, we were talking about that before we went on air. You and I were talking about yeah. how businesses can protect themselves. If you have that same Samsung television in your conference room at your office place, or at your startup, the same thing can happen. So if you're talking about your business plans, your intellectual property, wow. where you plan on taking things, now your television can listen to. And your, your competitor, if they found out the right way to hack it, could hack your computer to listen to all your conversations. Not just your computer, but your television too. I so, mean your TV, yeah. Yeah, in my book, I actually talk about this. So there was a study done where tens of thousands of Polycom boxes, Cisco uh, computer equipment, you know, their teleconferencing equipment, whether they be video cameras or the Polycom boxes that we see, have been hacked. The New York Times wrote a story about that. So the old kind of model of uh, industrial espionage was, I would sneak into your building and hide a bug uh -huh. underneath the you table. Don't need to do that anymore. Don't need to do that anymore. I just hack just your Polycom box or exactly your oh. video conference system. Wow. Have you ever tested any of this yourself for experiments or like? Or... I can neither confirm <laughs> or deny at this time. Wow. Okay. Uh, can you talk about if you've tried it on yourself to like hack into your own stuff? Yes. You have? Yeah. And have you been able to succeed? Yes. Can you give any examples or no? Um, I mean, I would just say, as I mentioned earlier on, crime has become software. So you don't need yeah. to become a master hacker now. You just need to You're, buy just or buy get a piece of software. To. Exactly. So if you think of there was a famous case involving a young woman called Cassidy Wolf, 16, 17 year old girl. She was Miss Teen America, right? She ended up getting blackmailed by somebody we didn't know who. One day she just is sitting at her computer and she gets an email that says, hey, I've seen you naked and attached all of these pictures Shut of her up. naked in her own bedroom and said, if you don't have sex with me online over a video camera, then I'm going to release this to all of your friends and post these pictures on Facebook. She freaked out, didn't know what had happened. Turns out somebody sent her an email. She clicked on an innocent picture or video it installed a malware on her computer and they were able to remotely turn on her camera without her noticing it because the way the malware was written, it doesn't turn on the little green light or the little red light. Oh so the camera's gosh. on. Always. So Exactly. So when she was coming out of the shower from her own bathroom into her bedroom and getting changed, somebody was filming her and she, she didn't know about it. Open or whatever. Exactly. So she didn't, it turns out the FBI, she did the right thing. She went to the FBI, they investigated it and it was one of her classmates. Shut Ooh, up. Yeah. So it was another 17-year-old kid, that one of these oh kids that, you know, nobody would really talk to. And he did that to her and he bought the software online to be able to do that. No way. Yeah. So this is why I tell people in the book, and I, I gave you a little gift before we went on yeah. air, which is a camera cover, right? It can be as simple as a post-it note or a band-aid. But if you've got a camera that you don't want people to be seeing you to, you know, put something in front of it because just because you don't see the light doesn't mean the camera is not on. So this could be somebody could have been recording this whole time. Ever since I've had the computer. Possible. Wow. And all it takes is a piece of software that can buy online for probably 100, 200 yeah, bucks. Yeah, sometimes less. Sometimes way less. Probably I mean, maybe get it for free if you like 
hack to hack or something, right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. You can get it, you know, they say some of these software, you know, the way they frame it, they don't say commit illegal acts by buying our software. Yeah. They say, parents, don't you want to know how to protect your children? Right. Husbands, don't you want to know what your wife is up to? By the way, doing this is a violation of federal law. Is it? Yes. You can, it's a felony, section 1030. You cannot do this. Code. You cannot do this legally you go to jail. at all. If they catch you, you go to jail. Wow. And which is exactly what happened to the kid that hacked Cassidy Wolf. He went Wolf. to jail. He did. Yeah, multi-year sentence. No way. Yeah, in federal prison. Yeah. No way. Wow, that's so scary. It's crazy. Now, how do you protect yourself if, let's say, your um, someone steals your computer, right? And then I would want to have the software on my own computer so that I could check on my phone to see who is doing it and take screenshots. Right. It's, It's funny you say that. They actually do make software that you yourself can install that will do that. And there are lots of cases where people have gone with those screenshots of somebody you know not friendly looking, you know, a bunch of gang members who've got their computer, uh, smoking, getting high, whatever. They take the screenshots to the police and they say, Hey, here's my computer, go get it. And in some cases, depending on the sophistication of the police department, they will help in other cases not. But if your laptop is stolen, the good news is the tools and techniques to getting it back are getting better. So particularly with Apple, they have tracking and all that. Yeah, exactly. Apple has a find my laptop or find my iPhone feature. I definitely recommend that you use that. What's the single best piece of advice you can give to people who to prevent and protect, protect themselves from cyber crimes or future cyber crimes? The single, if you're asking for just one, the single best piece of advice would be- Besides to, not have a computer. No, yeah, no <laughs> I was joking when I said yeah, that. Yeah. The single best piece of advice is stop, think, then connect. We have mm-hmm. this almost- compulsion to click on every link we see to click on every you know uh, download or attachment that we see don't do that right and think about it right why would somebody be giving you something for free i'll give you another extra bonus tip there is no prince in nigeria that is reaching out to you personally to help him bring billions right. of dollars out of his country right and yet every year tens of thousands of people fall for that scam so the best piece of advice is to go out there and to use common sense and to pause a moment before yeah, you do all this. click on everything, yeah. Exactly. And then in the book, I've got something called the update protocol that I take people through, which explains sort of a six-step process that will reduce their overall threat level online by 85%. Wow. Can you talk about that right now? Sure. Of course. Yeah. So it's something I kind of created, but it's loosely based upon some research done by the Australian Ministry of Defense. Okay. And what they did is they looked at all the different hacks, you know, hundreds of thousands of hacks out there. They went through them and they identified what the common mistakes were that people mm. were using or how the hackers were getting in. So I modified that, built upon it, and used some additional research and created the update protocol, U-P-D-A-T-E, where each letter stands for something. So the first letter is U, update. That means keep your software updated. I'm sure, Lewis, uh, you've gotten the little notification on your laptop or on your cell phone. Yeah. Time to update your software. Yeah. That's a very funny way of saying your software is full of holes really? and bugs and security risks, right? They don't tell you, uh, they just say update, but they don't tell you why. The reason why you're updating is because you previously had all these holes and malware wow. and risks in your software that they've just figured out and are now fixing. They should tell you, you know, update or you're more susceptible to yeah. hackers. That What they do is they bury that language very deep in a whole bunch of other paragraphs and they say, contain security update or general update or stability issue. They want to minimize what those risks are because they don't want people to, you know, have doubts about or their freak software. Out about their product, or freak yeah. out exactly. Wow, that's so update number one. And you can set that on almost all of your devices to yeah. happen automatically. So whether it be your laptop or your cell phone or your browser, things like flash, PDFs, those are things in 
particular that bad guys go after, which is something that everybody uses. So set everything for auto update and that'll be a huge okay, help. Cool. Uh, D is download. Uh, be really careful of what you download and from where. So if you spend a lot of time on torrents trying to get pirated movies, pirated music, uh, any likely of that chance stuff, you might click on something good bad. Yes, there's, there's a reason why you're getting, you know, a copy of, you know, the latest movie, James Bond movie for free, right? Yeah. Or, you know, whatever it may be, Fast and Furious 27, whatever the movie is. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason why they're giving it to you. So that's all with bugs. And so I tell people, uh, only download your software from authorized stores, particularly like the Apple type store. Yeah. There are a lot of third party purveyors out there. Don't download that. Don't download from there. Okay. Uh, A is for admin. Most people don't realize this. But when they create, uh, this is particularly true for desktops and laptops, when they, you know, open up that computer for the first time, it allows you to create user accounts, right? And so you may have one, your wife may have one, your kids may have one, but each one of those accounts has certain permissions, things that it can and can't do. And by default, the one account that every computer needs is an administrator mm. account. So the A in the update protocol is admin account. You don't want to use your computer when you're logged in as admin on a routine basis. Do not use it as admin. Do not use it as admin unless you need to. And here's the reason why. If you're logged in as admin and accidentally do click on one of those bad links or one of those you know, uh, embedded files. The whole computer is hacked basically. Right, because you have permission. So when you're logged in as admin, you have permission. You're the administrator. You have what's called root access. You can do anything oh you want to that machine. So if you click on something, the malware now has permission to run. If however, your everyday account is your Lewis account and you're out there surfing and chatting online, you know, sending right. email on a non-administrator standard user account. If you accidentally click on that malware, it won't execute without asking you for your admin password. Mm -hmm. That'll be a big clue that there's a problem. So wow. huge, huge tip. Don't operate your computer every day as admin. Okay. All right. U-P-D-A-T. Turn your computer off. Really? Yes. Oh, man, I'm the worst. I know it's, it's probably on, been on for like three months. Of course. I need to turn uh, it off. Exactly. Well, here's the reason why. Just think about it. When your computer is on and connected to the net, oh. it's connected to somebody in Russia. It's man. connected to somebody, you know, in Iran, you know, wherever it may be, El Salvador, New York, doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, is that hackers can reach out and touch oh, you when man. your computer is on. If people just went ahead at night and turned off their computer, or if they don't feel like rebooting, if they just turned off the Wi-Fi, that's eight hours a day that hackers can't reach out wow. and ping your machine. That means you've reduced your threat level by 33% just so by turning simple. it off. Super simple. Okay. Super simple. All right. So that's- well, You can turn the Wi-Fi off at least. Turn the Wi-Fi off at least. Exactly. Wow. Okay. And then E, uh, oops, I forgot the P, UPD. UP, I forgot the P when we went through What's that. Sorry. <laughs> let's go back for a second. I'm not good at spelling. Sorry, P is password uh, before we forget about okay, it. Let's talk about passwords yeah, for a second. So everybody hates passwords, yeah. right? They tell you it's got to be uppercase, a number, uppercase, lowercase, yeah, yeah. your mother's maiden name, a haiku, whatever it is. It's all really hard to memorize. Uh, don't count on your own passwords. I would say 80 to 90% of the people use their passwords on multiple sites. Mm. Don't do that. Or if you use a Facebook login to log into 27 different sites, when you're one of those 600,000 people a day that has their Facebook account compromised, then people are going to take those credentials and they're not just going to try them on Facebook. Everything. They're going to try them on Amazon. They're going to try them at Citibank. You know, they're going to try them at Chase Manhattan. Oh my God. So PayPal, everything. PayPal, everything. So don't use a single logon for all of your accounts. Now you have 50 passwords that you need to memorize. How do you do that? 
you don't memorize them. LastPass or something. Exactly, or, exactly yeah. right. So these great software password managers out there, also called password wallets, yeah. there are three or four of them that I recommend. One, uh, and by the way, I would only recommend these because guess what? Criminals have created their own password managers and uploaded them in the Android store and places like that. So, they, you know, they want you to give them all of your passwords. So you mentioned LastPass is a great one. There's also One Password, the number one I've password, that, yeah. and then Dashlane. And there's another one called KeyPass. So any one of those four uh, would be great. So that can store all of your passwords, makes password management super easy. So and we you, should be using those. Yes. And you only have one master password that you need to remember. For that. Is, for that, exactly. But what if someone got the master password? You have they to would be get careful. Everything, right? Exactly. They so you've got to be really good with your password. Yeah, I would say make sure you write it down and keep it in your house somewhere too. So oh you know, on a gosh. piece of paper. Okay. The other thing that you can do with passwords, which is a recent invention, is something called two-factor authentication. Yeah, I've been doing so, that. Great. After I got hacked, I was like, uh, yeah, I got time to do this Exactly. <laughs> so it's this game of cat and mouse between the good guys and the bad guys. Yeah. Um, but if it's a Gmail account, Facebook account, Dropbox, PayPal, PayPal yeah. there's a little app that you can use on your phone where they'll send you an SMS you know, text message of a one-time password. This way, even if the guy in Ukraine has compromised your account, unless they have physical access to your device in your hand, you'll be protected. So that's the P, and I can't spell. Now we'll go back to the E, <laughs> which comes at the end of update. Yeah. Uh, and the E stands for encryption. Basically, what encryption does is it scrambles the data on your computer so that other people can't read it. So to use a very basic example, if you type the letter A and a hacker gets your computer, they can read the letter A. But using encryption, it will scramble that letter A and turn it into a super long mathematical phrase, prime number that nobody can understand unless they've got your secret key. Mm. So there's two ways that you can use encryption. Uh, if you're on a Mac, you can use something called File Vault, right? And that's built into your computer. What that means is that even if your computer is stolen, if somebody takes it, they cannot read the data on it unless they've got your encryption oh, wow. password, which oh. you need to log on to your machine. So Does this cost something to buy completely this? Completely free. Wow. Completely free. It's included both in Mac, a file, <laughs> vault, and then on the Windows side, I think it's called Bitdefender. So you can use those for free. It'll encrypt. It's called full disk encryption. And I recommend that uh, to protect your data at rest. The other thing that you should be doing is protecting your data as it moves around the world, which means a virtual private network. Basically, what hmm. it is it's a pipe that secretly pumps all your information from your computer to the internet, right? So many sure. of us have used uh, Wi-Fi at an airport, in an airport yeah. lounge, at Starbucks, libraries, conferences, all of those places. When I'm on a network uh, with 500 other people at a conference <sighs> or at an airport, any hacker can go ahead and see the information leaving your machine. That means I can see your iTunes, no way. you know, what songs you're playing. I can see your playlist. I can see your photos, even the ones you don't want me to see. What and you're browsing to. What you're browsing to, all that stuff. You can steal the session cookies and log into other websites. So if you're in one of those places, go ahead and get a virtual private network VPN. There's some trusted companies out there that you can check into. It's probably like 10 bucks a month. Norton, uh, Symantec, those types yeah. of companies offer them. But don't surf public Wi-Fi, uh, and particularly if you're doing something sensitive like filing your taxes. Wow. Not to be done at Starbucks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is crazy. Um, what was the T again? Uh, turn off. Turn off. So That's right. U off is for idea. update. P is for password. D is for download. A is for administrator account. T uh -huh. is for turn off. And E is for encryption. See, okay. I spelled it right there that There you time. go. Okay. We've got some um, fact or fiction. So kind of like fast answer or... Fiction. Fact. <laughs> fact. Exactly. Fiction. So Macs are immune to viruses. Fiction. Fiction. 
Why is that? Because they're not. <laughs> because it's a computer. <laughs> because it's a computer. There Traditionally, there's actually an explanation for that. Traditionally, people thought Macs were safer, and they might have been, but it was only because uh, hackers were ignoring them. Why oh, were really? they ignoring them? Think about it from a businessman's perspective. What's got 98% of the global market in computers? Windows. So if I'm going to put the time, energy, and effort into creating a virus, I want to be able to connect and attack yeah. those 98% as opposed to going after the not, small minority. Not creative artists. Exactly. Designers, right? Okay. Exactly. So now that Macs are growing, particularly in the iOS, the amount of malware being created for those is increasing. Okay. Well, you already answered this one. Webcams are being hacked, but yes. True. Yeah. <laughs> People who create antivirus software are actually the ones creating the viruses like firemen who start fires uh i haven't heard of that so i don't think that that's true but just on the top uh, topic of antivirus and i talk about this in the book uh guess what the detection rate for viruses are on antivirus like how many of the viruses on your computer are they catching no idea yeah take a guess how many viruses yeah of let's say you have 100 viruses how many would your antivirus system pick up 50 You'd like to think so. One of the studies I talk about <laughs> three. in the book, yeah, turns out that antivirus, they did a meta study of like 40 of the major antivirus programs. Uh -huh. And when it comes to new and emerging threats, meaning just a couple of months old, the detection rate is only 5%. Oh my goodness. 5%. So that means it's 95 worthless. Uh, I wouldn't say it's worthless, <laughs> but it's not particularly useful towards new and emerging threats out there. Could you tell, I mean, how many viruses are on my computer right now? 164. <laughs> I don't know. There, there, could, there could be none. There could be a couple. Yeah. It could be, who knows, right? Yeah. I mean, there have been other studies that show that from the time you get your computer, whether you buy it at Best Buy or Apple and go ahead and put it on the internet, it can be anywhere from 20 minutes to 24 <sighs> hours before it's infected with something no one way. way or the other. Yeah. Oh it's because all of these are automated. But the good news is if you're using that update protocol, it'll help you reduce and prevent those infections. Okay. Uh, fact or fiction, Google tracks everything you do. Uh, true. Yeah, okay. I talk about that in the book as well. People yeah. don't realize that. Now, you can opt out in some levels, and if you have listeners in the European Union, there's different laws that affect people over there than in the United States. They have something called the European Directive on Data Privacy, which limits how long Google can keep your information, wow. like up to a year or two they have to dump it. In the United States, there are no limits. So from the very first time you went into Gmail, every email that you've written, every Google Doc you've written, every search they have that access you, to. They have it all. That's scary. Now, does the federal uh, government, are they able to have access to that as well? Uh, so one of the things that Mr. Snowden alleged in his leaks is exactly that, that they either pay companies to get access to this data or that they've even hacked American to companies get to get access to this data. Uh, there are some examples in the book where, where your mobile phone provider, where uh, the U.S. government national security agencies have contracts with companies like AT&T to get access to their data and what goes across their network. Mm. So what are... The next way, are there are there a lot of crimes coming, like a big wave of crimes coming, or are they already here? We just don't know about it yet. Uh, it's a great question. So you, what you just said reminds me of a quote, and it's a guy called William Gibson, and this is how I open up the book. He wrote a science fiction novel called Neuromancer, and in the book he, he has this quote, the future has already arrived. It's just unevenly distributed. Oh, okay. Right. So all of the stuff uh, that we're talking about is already here. Whether or not people know about it yet is another question. Wow. So in the book, the reason why I called it future crimes is because it's very much focused on where we're going. If you mm. look at 
uh, all the hacks as they were reported in the media. Target's hacked, Home Depot's hacked, JP Morgan's hacked. That's kind of where the analysis ends. It's kind of like, you know, a play-by-play on a football field, right? Yeah. Where, but nobody's putting it all in perspective, and that's what I hope to do with future crime is to take all of these hacks and put it in perspective. And the conclusion that I come to is we are just at the first minutes of the first hours of the first days of the internet. We think we have technology yeah. all around us now. We ain't seen nothing yet. I talked about uh, the Internet of Things. The Internet of Things will become possible because of something called the Internet Protocol version 6. So that's kind of the address book for the Internet, how, you know, if you make a phone call, you punch in your phone number and it knows where to route your call. Mm. The Internet has something like that, too, called Internet Protocols uh, to route weird traffic. So you put in CNN or ESPN, it knows how to get you there. We've run out of space. So in the same way in New York, they ran out of 212 area codes. They had to create 917. They did the same thing with the internet to tell you how big a difference there is in those two net protocols version 4 versus version 6 today's internet using ipv4 internet protocol version 4 can support about four and a half billion simultaneous connections to the net tomorrow's internet using internet protocol version 6 can support 78 octillion what the hell is an octillion yeah it's 78 (laughs) billion 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 oh my goodness to put it in like simple terms today's internet is the size of a golf ball. In the next three years, we're going to be transitioning to an internet the size of the sun. Wow. So we're going from golf in ball the next few to years? sun. In the next few years, internet protocol version six will be up. What does that mean? Is it going to be faster? It's going to be more information? It, what does that actually mean? It means that we have more addressable space. So okay. that means right now we talked about your laptop, your smartphone, your Xbox having access to the internet. But in the future, as I mentioned, it's going to be your car will be online, your pets will be online, your kids will be online, plates, drinking glasses, using technologies like RFID, Bluetooth, that type of stuff. Every physical object, you know, we've seen it with cars, we've seen it with elevators and airplanes, every physical object in our place, smart homes, it's gonna be desks, it's gonna be beds. Why would we make everything online? Right. Well, that's interesting. People talk about convenience. Why do you need to be able to talk to your television? Why should you be able to download Netflix directly onto your TV? Because yeah. people want that level of convenience. And there there are benefits of it, right? Sure. Let's say that, you know, lots of parents are concerned about their kids when they go about school. Now you can track where they are. See yeah, if they're if in school. Yeah. Exactly. So you have that type of positive benefit. But IPv6 is going to blow people's minds in terms of its capabilities. Are we going to notice it actually, like a difference? When I log on the computer to Wi-Fi in five years, am I going to tell a difference of what's happening? Well, one of the things that's already happened and most people haven't noticed is, you know, about five years ago, we switched over to where previously most of the internet traffic was carried out by human beings. So as people sitting at their keyboards typing away, now the majority of the traffic on the internet is what they call M to M or machine to machine. No way. So that's bridges, tunnels, easy passes, all these different things, sharing data back and forth and logging it all. So there's going to be a ton of machine-to-machine interaction. And just to give you a simple example of what becomes possible in this world is, you know, using an RFID credit card or Apple Pay or any of those devices would fall into that space. And even things that people haven't even considered, like maybe you've gone to a fast food restaurant and they give you a paper cup and, you know, you go up to the soda machine and you fill up your paper cup and it says no refills. Well, that was a hard thing to enforce in the past. Now there can be an RFID chip built into your soda cup so that when you go to refill, it'll say, nope, you've already been here once already. Or, Or tap the button to recharge 
to get a refill exactly, for a dollar. Exactly. Whatever, right? By the way, Keurig, the coffee makers, if you've heard of them, they've just now introduced DRM, digital rights management, into their little coffee pods. So they've now broken your coffee maker such that if you don't use their little coffee pods, it won't work. Even though it physically fits in there, there's a little electronic chip. Yep, to make sure that you can only use their approved coffee pods. Man. So this is the way it's going to affect us. That's insane. Let's talk about DNA hacking. So I know you mentioned that in here. What can someone do with someone else's DNA? Well, Future Crimes talks about not just uh, the crimes of today, but all these new and emerging technologies. Oh, so it's with 3D printing. 3D and, yeah, printing, artificial intelligence, weapons, right? right? 3D printing of guns, 3D printing of explosives, 3D printing of bullets. All of that becomes possible. Uh, the can, other, can they make a gun right now, 3D printing, that oh, they can shoot? Absolutely. And kill someone? Absolutely. Like full-on machine gun type absolutely. of thing? No way. Yeah. With bullets? Absolutely. That's got to be like a billion-dollar printer, though. Uh, actually not. You can do it on a $2,000 printer no and the way. price is coming down on that where you can probably do it on a three to $500 printer. You print your own gun? Yep. Absolutely. Handgun? So I spoke at TED and one of the things I did as part of my TED spiel is uh, I gave this whole TED talk. I was in the UK because uh, that's where TED Global was. And I talked about 3D printed weapons. And of course, you know, in England, they're very strict on guns. You can't have guns. Even the cops don't have guns over there. Really? And so I didn't bring a gun into the UK. I brought a 3D printer and printed a gun while I was there and printed a silencer and then demoed that on you stage. You printed it there? Yeah. You printed your own gun. Correct. And it worked. Uh, well, I didn't use it there in right. the audience. But you but showed it? I showed it to the audience. You didn't, yeah, the, you to didn't make load a point. it. I did not load it. You no. said, I made this I here. This. It, made like two, it took like two days. How long did yeah, it take? About a day yeah, oh to go gosh. ahead and knock that out. And silencers and all of that stuff. And by the way, for intellectual property, again, focusing on the businesses that you're out there, think about something like Lego right? You buy, go out and buy a box of Lego. It's like 25 bucks, a hundred bucks for a big kit. What is that? It's just little pieces of plastic. Yeah. 3D printers can make those little th pieces of plastic, right? You can scan something with your phone or with a Microsoft Connect. Boom, you've got a perfect replica. So all the intellectual property theft that we had around digital goods like music, TV, video games, all that, that's now going to come into physical spaces where you'll be able to create replica of Nike sneakers, right? Nike actually sells 3D printed sneakers now that you can what? design yourself online. So of course, people will be hacking those and ripping off intellectual property as well. So I could print off a Mac computer if I wanted to. Uh, that would probably take a while because you need some integrated circuits, but you could certainly print a Mac case, the right? Frame. Right. You know, that $40 that they charge for a stupid iPhone case, right. you can go ahead and print that, you know, for a buck now. Wow. It's, it's the Star Trek replicator coming to life. And they're like printing organs and all these other things too, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, they've, they've 3D printed ears. They're working on hearts, kidneys, all of that crazy. stuff. So that's called bioprinting. And that's a whole other field of technology that's out there. This is insane. It's so crazy. Um, we also talk about, you know, one of the other technologies, which we haven't mentioned yet, are robots, right? Yeah. We're seeing robots all over right now. You know, millions of people have Roomba vacuums in their house. You've probably seen the Google self-driving car. Uh, we're going to mm -hmm. have robots all over us. Kids' toys are being roboticized and lots of cool There's things. There's like a there. campaign thing. I saw like a Kickstarter campaign with this... Uh, little robot thing that you can it pretty much does everything it, like, it sits in the you. kitchen yes. and all that. yeah i think what's it called cynthia brazil is the woman who's making it she's yes. a professor of robotics at mit but it looks amazing you're yeah. like 
it looks like you put it at like the, t- the kitchen table with you or eat yeah, if you're exactly. like going to have FaceTime. Yeah, I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but you're seeing more of those. Amazon just created one too. It's a device that you leave in your kitchen and it kind of looks like, how would I describe it? Kind of like a flower pot and kind of a tall flower uh-huh. pot or a big coffee can or something. And you can just talk to it and you can say, you know, read me my messages. So it'll bleep when you've got, you know, beep to you when you've got a text message come in, read message, it'll read it to you. You can buy movie tickets and all that stuff online to take out or whatever you want exactly and all of that's coming right they talk they show kids getting help with their homework so you'll see a lot you don't even show up on your kids you just put them in the thing and they do the homework with right exactly well look at what most parents now do with an ipad right when your kids are going crazy in the back of the car just toss them an ipad or an iphone this is nuts um what are you going to do to stop all this lewis exactly Exactly. what are you going to teach me (laughs) um so in the future literally you could turn everyone's computer into a bomb essentially in the, at some time right yeah i mean i wouldn't say a i mean i don't want to scare physical, people not a physical explosive in that really? regard yeah so we're you not couldn't like about, blow it up or anything i mean not physically no you couldn't create some like a circuit charge where it like created well, a fire actually, inside the computer i don't know actually you just brought up an example that i wrote about in the book with hp printers so um you know explosives are different but there was a hack that came out and i talk about it in the book again internet of things one of the things that are now connected to the internet of course are your printers and photocopiers and things like that and and in the book, I talk about a hack against HP printers. All laser printers have this thing in them called a fuser, which basically gets very overheated the more mm. copies you make. Mm-hmm. And so there's a built-in system to turn off the printer. So if it overheats, cool they won't, yeah. right, exactly. And so it'll stop your print jobs. There's a hack out there, a hardware hack that attacks the fuser and turns off that safety feature. So if you've got 500 you know, sheets of paper in your printer, you can run through a lot of print jobs and they were actually able to remotely start a fire in somebody's house. So you send through all these print jobs, you turn off the overheating element, and now you can start a fire in somebody's home. Wow. You can start a fire in someone's home. Okay. Yeah, through their printer. So besides, besides the update process, what can we, I mean, what can we do? Actually, first off, what do you like working with the most? Do you like working with uh, smartphones or computers in terms of um, protecting and your, just personally? Yeah. What do you like? I mean, I talk about it at all levels, right? So all these new emerging technologies, not just the technologies today, but we talked about the Internet of Things. You know, a lot of the technology that we have today, your laptop that's been on the Internet for three years, probably almost certainly is infected. The thing that concerns me is that we're about to launch this Internet of Things. According to Cisco, that means we're going to be adding 50 billion new devices to the Internet by 2020. By the way, Intel says it's going to be 200 billion new devices before we put every refrigerator television car toy lamp pet, lamp yeah. street light online we should figure out how to secure them and i guess yeah. that's my do do concern right so we've wired the world but we failed to secure it so i give you some very practical yeah. um, tips in the update protocol but in the book i also kind of jokingly not so jokingly call this section saving the world yeah where i have all these prescriptions for what we can do and just off the top of my head a few of them are is we need to make much better software right now with software the trick is to code it get it out there ship it ship it launch ship it, it, edit it later. launch it and we'll fix it later and that's why we have all of these software bugs, which bad guys can exploit to get access yeah. to your finances. So I think that's something we need to fix is that mentality. The other thing that we need to do is have encryption everywhere, not just on these devices. The Anthem hack that we had a couple of days ago, 
80 million patient records were stolen, 80 million. So we know that John Smith has got cancer and Sally saw treatment for depression, right? Because of that. And Anthem did not encrypt that data. So the same way I told you there are free tools on your computer to protect your data. Wow. Had they encrypted that data, it all would have been useless. Oh my goodness. Why didn't they do it? It cost more and they said, we're not mandated by the government to do it. Oh my goodness. So they did it. So I would call for encryption everywhere. It's time to encrypt the internet. Everyone. Yeah. Okay. Everyone and everything, right? That will protect us. Because if someone hacks it, then they can't see whatever the information exactly. is. Exactly. There's no way for them to read it without the secret key. And it's nearly impossible, like 80 million years to reverse engineer through what's oh called brute force attack. So that'll protect you. Um, the other thing that I would say that people need to keep in mind is um, we're going to need more help, more hands on deck when it comes to fighting all these cyber threats. Currently, there's estimated that by 2017, I think we're going to have a shortage of two million cybersecurity workers out in the country. So for anybody who's looking for a job, great field to get into, right? Really? Lots of opportunities Cause, there. Because you have so many referrals. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's so much going on. and There's like a talent war for those folks. And you can always just like... I mean, you can make so much money if exactly. you're an expert in this because you, you, you could just be protecting people before something happens and saying, here, I'll come set you up for a thousand bucks with your, yeah. everything you need. Yeah. I mean, uh, some of the top, top guys in this field make over a million dollars a year. I imagine, yeah. So yeah, you can make a fair amount of money on that. The That's other thing crazy. I would call for is gamers, like people that like to game, just take um, Angry Birds or Words with France as an example, or, you know, it could be Call of Duty, doesn't matter. Yeah. All of those games, all of that data, all of those hours what are we creating at the end of the day? Well, fun experience, but what if we could come up with a game that was addicting as Angry Birds and every time, you know, you shot a pig at a bunch of whatever it was, you could actually be doing something good like identifying spam or identifying a phishing email or blocking some sort of attack, right? So I think there's a way to get the whole gaming huh. community involved in this so that they can be part of the solution. They certainly have the technical skills. So I think gaming for good, we can definitely tie that That's into some of our cyber threats. The two last things that I call for in the book, uh, amongst several other ideas, is um, you may be familiar with the X Prize Foundation. Yes. So it's the idea of creating an incentive prize mm. to drive good. You know, they had the Ansari X Prize, which created uh, civilian space flight. You know, and and brought us into space uh, on the civilian side. And there have been lots of examples of that. Lindbergh. Most people don't know that when Lindbergh flew across the Atlantic, he did that because some guy put up a contest, right? Offered up twenty five thousand dollars for the first guy to get across the Atlantic and you had uh, hundreds of people competing to win that prize. So I'm working with the X Prize Foundation and they're looking at launching mm. up to a $20 million X Prize where we would go ahead and incentivize the general public for hacking for good, trying to create a secure wow. operating system and that type of thing. So that's also cool. And the last thing that I think we should keep in mind is that we need sort of a Manhattan Project for cybersecurity. If you think back to where we were during World War II, there was this race on between the Germans and us as to who would get the atomic bomb first. Uh, that was an existential threat to the United States, right? We really could have been annihilated yeah. by them if we didn't get there first. And so we had over 100,000 people in this country working on the Manhattan Project trying to protect us from that threat. They were serious about the threat before them back in the day. We are not. Every day, cyber hack, cyber hack, cyber hack. Uh, I wrote a piece uh, talking about President Obama's State of the Union address where he said, we're finally going to get serious on cyber threats. <laughs> his talk, his speech was 6,600 words and only 108 of them were on cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. So what I said was his grand thinking created the internet. Small thinking won't save it. We need to think much bigger. And I would say finally, just to kind of uh, uh, 
parting thought for your listeners is yeah. this. We've talked about some scary things, right? Oh my God, I can't believe that's there. I tell a lot of stories in the book because I want you to come into this world yeah. and get it. But at the end of the day, we can solve this problem, yeah. right? Let's be positive. We were the same people, human beings. We put a man on the moon, yeah. right? President Kennedy said, by the end of this decade, we're going to have a man on the moon. And we did. Yeah. Like we put a man on the moon for the first time ever in the history of humanity, right? We left this planet. If we can solve that problem, of course we can solve this sure, problem. Sure. The trick is it's going to take time and intention and focus. And that's really what Future Crimes is about. Yeah. So there is a way to stop future crimes, you think? I think we can make a huge difference. I know ignoring it won't help the we problem. We have to be intentional. Exactly. We can't just say we're going to we're going to make a difference like you said, Obama said, but not actually really dive into it, like Big making thinking. it serious. Yeah, yeah. Big thinking. Okay. This is awesome. Everything is connected. Everyone is vulnerable and what we can do about it. Future crimes. I've got a couple questions left for you. I want to make sure everyone picks up a copy of this book by Mark Goodman. Really fascinating stuff. I feel like I could listen to you for forever on this stuff. And I want you to dive into my, you know, to more uh, after this interview. But um, Couple last questions. One, what are you most grateful for recently, Mark? What's what's going on in your life you're most grateful for? Oh God. Um there's so much I'm grateful for, yeah. right? I have so many awesome people in my life. I'm part of an amazing community up at Singularity University mm -hmm. uh, where I teach. I am grateful for all the help and support I got in writing the book. Grateful for the fact that the book is finally coming out <laughs> yeah, after all awesome. this time. I'm just really surrounded by awesome people, uh, makers, thinkers, doers out there uh, that are just kind of inventing the future. And yeah. I'm thrilled and honored and proud to be part of that community. Very cool. Well, one more question, but before I just want to acknowledge you for putting this information out there and updating us on all the information we need to know to uh, protect ourselves because I didn't know any of this stuff before. You know, I always thought, is someone like looking through this camera right now? Maybe they are, but now you've protected me. So I appreciate exactly. that. But seriously, though, I acknowledge you for, you know, spending, you know, how many decades, two decades almost now on this information, doing the research practicing it, studying it, and serving so many people in this way. And for writing this book, I really acknowledge you for educating us because I think the biggest thing is being educated. You know, I was so ignorant to all of this. I mean, I had a sense, but I was like, I'm not really educated. Right. So for educating us uh, and getting this information out there and working your butt off to make sure that we understand it, uh, I'm very grateful for you and I acknowledge you for that work. Well, so, thank you very much. That really means a lot to me. Yeah. Thank you. Final question, what's your definition of greatness? That is an excellent question. My definition of greatness, I would say, is excelling at something you love. Mm. It's doing the thing that you love. And th we've had so many great people on this planet. Do you probably remember yeah. that Apple commercial from the 1980s, yeah. right? You know, uh, think different. I mean, just being passionate about the things that you care about, being present in your own life, helping other people is key, I think. Mm. I think that's incredibly rewarding, whether it's a little kid cross the street or an old person that may need an extra hand. Whatever it is, whatever brings meaning into your life, being present for it and believing in yourself, believing in your ideas and seeing them through. Mm. Mark Goodman, thanks so much for coming on, right. man. Thank you, Lewis. I appreciate it's a pleasure. It. Yeah. There you have it, guys. I hope you feel more protected now with uh, everything that's happening because it's going to be happening in the future in a much bigger way. So make sure to go back to the show notes at lewishouse.com slash 142. We'll have that list of how all those things you can protect yourself uh, that Mark listed out here at the end. 
all the other show notes, the links of where you can get the book, how you can connect with Mark, and maybe ask him some questions over online if you have any more questions about future crimes and about how to protect yourself. Hope you guys thought this was enjoyable. If you have any friends who either have challenges with their digital work or their digital footprint, feel free to send them this episode. Again, it's lewishouse.com slash 142. Or, or maybe any friends that are afraid of the future crimes. Feel free to send them this as well because you want to make sure they get set up and get protected so that they can shut off any potential attacks that may come their way. So again, thank you guys so much for joining me today. We've got a big guest coming up in the near future. we got Jack Canfield coming up. we got Julianne Huff coming up. We've got some other incredible guests, David Allen coming on, some great leaders in the world who are coming on to share their insights on greatness. And I'm so grateful for you guys for being on here and for spreading the word. So again, thank you so much. Make sure to share this one back at lewishouse.com slash 142. You guys know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Do something great.